Thank you, Stephanie, for, for praying for me. I just want to, uh, I don't know, I just want to confess something right off the bat here. I, it's, been, it's been kind of an odd morning. For, I feel like, I just feel like God has something he really wants to say today to, to, to hopefully all of us. And sometimes you feel the weight of that, you know, when you're getting ready to, to get up and speak in front of people. And sometimes I think I have the, the habit of thinking that it's, it's like what I have to say is really important and forgetting the fact that it's what God has to say that is more important. And, and so then that song, this, it was a new song that I'd never heard before, and they were singing it in this phrase, do what you want to do. And so as I, as I begin this morning, I just want to pray that God will do what he wants to do and I hope that I can get out of the way enough to, to allow him to do that. So let's pray. So Father, we, we praise you and we thank you for the opportunity to, to gather in your name. And yes, this is not a traditional church building, but we are gathered in your name and therefore you are here, so this is church. And we praise you for that. Because Father, for, for just to be honest, Lord, if you're not here, then I don't want to be here either. Because we need you, and we want to, to hear what it is that you have to say. I, I just believe that everyone walked into the, the door this morning, at least with an anticipation that, um, that God's going to speak to me today. So Lord, would you do that? Would you do what you want to do today? Would you relieve the pressure off of me of feeling like I have to do it? Um, for your word says, apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, I need you to, to help me make that happen, to be your instrument. Uh, Lord, forgive me of, of any unconfessed sin in my life that, that I've walked in here with today. Lord, would you just, would you free me of that so that you can speak through me? Uh, God, would you do the same for those that are here today? Would you forgive them? Would you cleanse their hearts and their minds? so that uh, they can hear you correctly, and then we can go out of this place and um, obey you rightly. Lord, we love you, we thank you, um, in Jesus' name, amen. Today we have a celebrity in our midst. We've talked about him a lot, we have prayed for him a lot, and he got to come to church today. His name is Landon. And he's my friend. But hey, Landon, how you doing, man? Just give me a wave. All right, woohoo! Everybody, just clap, Landon. It's been a prayer of mine for a long time that Landon would be able to to come to church with his family, and so God answered that prayer. And we are going to continue to pray. Now, they, I love how Landon's parents have been really, really specific about how to pray for him. And uh, just even this morning, we want to pray specifically as you're here today that God would heal Landon's lips, that they would be clear, and that he, that would all be gone from him. And, uh, and do you believe that that can, be, that can happen? Yeah. We have to believe and not have any doubt with the belief that, it's tr- that, that possibly could happen. So we want, to, we want to pray that Landon would happen. If you're new to our, our, uh, our body, Landon's precious four-year-old little guy, and he was diagnosed with leukemia. And we're just asking God to, to remove that from his body and that uh, he can get back to just 
the playing sports, shooting the ball, hitting the ball, running, doing all the things little boys love to do. So we just ask that would be the case. So we're going to jump into, for the next seven weeks, we're going to jump into a, a series called The Seven Commands of Christ. And already you're like, oh man, commands? Are those things like we have to do those things? Like, yes, yes you do. <laughs> um, but here's the, here's the thing, you'll want to do these things because of the blessing that comes out of doing them. And, and uh, we'll get into the reason, the motivation behind why we would want to do those things, not just the blessing. So seven commands of Christ. Seven seems to be a significant number in creation or in just the Bible itself. As you look through Scripture, there's lots of references to seven. Seven uh, is a sense of completion when you think of the word or that number. Seven days of creation. If you familiar with stories from, the, from Scripture, the Battle of Jericho, seven days they walked around, and then on the seventh day, seven times they walk around the city of Jericho and it collapses. The, the battle was complete. Proverbs 6 says there's seven things. It actually said six things, but then there are seven things that God finds detestable eyes that are arrogant, a tongue that lies, hands that murder the innocent, a heart that plots evil schemes. Feet that rush into doing the wrong thing, a false witness, and one who sows discord among brothers and sisters. We don't have, we don't have enough time to, to dig into all of those. They're all pretty clear. But listen, I just want to be honest with you. In the church, the enemy will, loves to sow discord in the church among brothers and sisters. And we have to be diligent not to let that happen. Say, not here, not in this place. I'm going to do my part. Scripture says, as far as it depends on you, remain at peace with everyone. And we look for opportunities to remain at peace with one another. That doesn't mean that there's not times when we need to, uh, in love, confront one another and say, hey, look, I think... I just think this is probably not the right direction to go. And because I love you, I want to encourage you to think about these things. But the enemy loves to sow discord because if we can, he can cause disunity among the body and the body can't function. It works in marriage, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Never in my house, by the way. My wife's not in here to glare at me. <laughs> She'll listen to this later. But no, it's, it just it is part of this thing. And God says hates these things. Seven things. According to Pope Gregory the Great in the 6th century, there are seven deadly sins. Never is it referred to um, as that in the Bible, but there are seven deadly sins that we actually can find in Scripture. Um, pride, envy, gluttony, lust, anger, greed, and sloth. Right? And all these things are undeniably, obviously, sins. But like I said, you don't find that, that list in just like that in Scripture. There are seven I am statements that Jesus gives. You can find those uh, throughout the Gospels. I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am who I say that I am. And so those statements are powerful. And then at the end of the Scripture, I mean, those I am statements are great news. At the end of the Bible, it's not such good news. There's seven bowls of wrath in the book of Revelation. Ooh. Well, let's look at the lighter side of the number seven. How many days are in a week? Seven. Did you know the opposite sides of dice always equal the number 
seven. There's a guy named Roy Sullivan. He was a U.S. park ranger in Virginia. He was hit by lightning seven times and survived all of them. Don't try that at home, kids. How many dwarfs are there? Seven. Some of you could probably name them all off. Don't need to, though. Football's back. Anybody excited about that? Yeah, a little clapping. <laughs> Amen. Football's back. It was a little odd watching football and baseball at the same time. But football is back. They score a touchdown traditionally. They kick an extra point. How many points do they get? Seven. You're always looking for seven, except the Seahawks killed us yesterday when they scored eight. Anybody see that? Yeah. How about some personal I am statement? Give me seven I am statements about like human beings. Like I'll give you the first one. I am tired. I am hungry. All right, that's two. I am Sleep, it's like we're talking about the dwarfs now, all right? Just go with that. It'll work with I am in, uh, sleepy, all right? What's that? What else? I am busy. Well, that's a problem in the world we live in today, that's for sure. Some people are laughing back there, like t- telling each other. What else? I am what? Happy? Think, huh? Loved, all right? Good. So we need some good stuff there, too, all right? I am loved. Give me one more. Bored. Yes. Elbow your husband. You're like, how can you be bored? You're married to me. I mean, for crying out loud. Yeah, so those are seven statements that are true for everybody at one point or, or another. All those things apply. And then finally, while I'm running down the road trying to loosen my load, it's some great theology. I've got how many women on my mind? Shame on you. <laughs> I think about in my life, I've got four daughters, a wife. A grandbaby and another one on the way. So I got seven women on my mind all the time. Four that want to own me. Two that want to stone me. And one of them says she's a friend of mine. Some deep theology by the eagles there. Take it easy. There you go. If you didn't know where that came from. If you want to reference it. Where did Brady make? Did he make that up? No. It's in it's, it's in. The Bible according to the Eagles, all right? Check that out. So we're at the beginning of a school year, okay? So I got to thinking about this. We're at the beginning of the school year, and you're going to get back to class, and they're going to give you probably a student handbook, or they're going to say it's online, go check it out, or they're going to give you a syllabus, right, for a particular class. Every class has a syllabus, and and it's an outline. This is how it's going to go. It's the things you need to know for this particular class. And so in life, we have a syllabus that are defined by these seven foundational commands or things that Jesus is calling us to do. And we're going to walk through those the next few weeks. And I'll give them to you. The first one is repent and believe. You cannot obey, nor would you even want to even think about obeying the rest of them until you get this point right. And one of the reasons why I thought about this particular subject so much is because there are some young men that I've known over the years that went through a program through the Midwestern Baptist Seminary called the Fusion Program. And in the Fusion Program, they train these young men and women to, to master the teaching of these commands. And when they go into a foreign country, that's how they reach and disciple other believers. Because they get to the place where they'll maybe get in a conversation with someone and they get to the place where they, the person is ready 
to obey the first command. They're ready to repent from their former way of belief, and they're ready to ask for forgiveness, and they're ready to believe in the Lord Jesus. And once they do that, then, the, then they can begin the work. But until they do that, they can't go any further. And they will spend days and weeks, sometimes months, and maybe even years, walking individuals through these commands. So as I think about the church, as I think about you and I think about me, we have to nail down these foundational things. These are the things we need to know in order for us to move on, for us to grow. So it's kind of like when you go back to school, like, hey, what do you, what do you already know? Let's review, and then let's learn. And so we're going to spend the first part of this school year learning about these foundational things. And so the first one is repent and believe. But before I get there, I want to tell you, why does God give us these things? Why would he ask us to follow these commands? Well, because he wants to steal your joy, right? That's it? No? I think it's because of love. I think God truly loves his people. Why would parents give their children boundaries, rules? Ultimately, it's because of love. Sometimes we would think, well, if we just, our kids think, if we just let, us, let them do whatever they want to do, it'd be better for everybody, right? Only for a short period of time. <laughs> and then it'd be chaos. So God gives us these things because ultimately, he has this incredible amount of love for us. And I have to say that to you because we, we don't want to walk through these commands and talk about things like obedience if you feel like you are pressured into doing it. Instead, I would rather you feel compelled by this great push of the love of God. This idea that God really does have what's best for me. It's best, it's better than not obeying. There's blessings in the obedience. There's consequences in not obeying. And because he loves us, he would really love for us not to have to experience those consequences. But reality is, a lot of us end up having to experience those consequences to finally really learn to obey. What's it say in John chapter 3, verse 16? So, for God so what? He loved the world, right? He loved the world. And God didn't just say that He loved the world. He demonstrated His love in Romans chapter 5. It says he demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners. So basically saying while we were yet choosing to disobey. God demonstrates his love for us and gives Christ as a sacrifice for us. Christ died so that we might live. Now that is basic foundational Christianity. And some of you are like, yeah, yeah, Brady, I know. I've heard it a million times. Let's get moving. Let's get on with it. But I think it's good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded. 
So command number one is repent, believe, and receive the Holy Spirit so that we can now then obey the other ones. Here's the big, here's the big picture here. I want you to look at Mark chapter 1. The book of Mark chapter 1. Mark is the gospel that is like the gospel on the move. It's like no time for all the details. Let's just jump right in and let's get to the reason why Jesus came. Mark chapter 1, right from the very beginning, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. You will, he will prepare a way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So it's talking about John the Baptist who came before Jesus. John was preparing the way. Like he was getting the people's hearts ready. John appeared, it says this is verse 4, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he was a man's man, wasn't he? Any man that would wear camel's hair, is, uh, he's a tough guy. And he preached saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about Jesus. So in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water immediately, he saw the heavens being torn down and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. You think you've had a bad day? <laughs> think you've had some tough weeks? <laughs> some trying times? Jesus drove out into the wilderness, fasting for 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, John got arrested for being bold about his faith. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Remember, the gospel is the good news. And Jesus said this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus says, This is why I've come. I want you to repent. Okay, and to repent is to stop turn around, and go a different direction. So Jesus said, it's time, and it's at hand. And this is what I'm calling people to do. And so that is what he's calling us to do. That's what he's calling all mankind to do. But it's not a popular message. But it's a necessary <laughs> message. So the, the thought here is we must turn from our sin, believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's what he's calling all men to do. Jesus came, I have seeked and to save 
those who are lost, those who need to hear this message. Every single Sunday morning, we pray that there'll be someone who'll walk into the doorway of the church who will need to hear that message. Maybe they've heard it a hundred times, but the hundred and first time is the time that they realize, I've not done that, and I need to repent, and I need to turn, and I need to be saved. The reality is most of the people who need to hear that message are not in this room. They're out there. So the challenge at the end of this, each one of these commands is to go and then ask others to walk with you and to obey. So there's a story about uh, repentance. a couple different stories in the New Testament that I think are, are cool pictures of, of what happens after you repent. What happens after you say, you know what, God, you're right, I was wrong, and I need to turn and go a different direction. And then what happens as a result, the, the change in character, which also then brings about a change in conduct. Remember I was talking a few weeks ago about we focus a lot on behavioral correction or modification or whatever as opposed to character transformation. But I think the character transformation has to happen First, because then when you realize, man, I was so wrong, but I am so loved, I want to live so much differently now. It's a process. It takes a while. I remember in my own story when I really began to realize that this life I was living is not producing anything good. I need to change. It wasn't like it was a direct turn and back the other direction, never to make a mistake again. It was more like a slow turn. It's kind of like a roundabout, you know, a really big one. (laughs) You kind of get on it. And there's temptation to get off. And here, no, no, this one, no. How about here? And finally, I got around to where I was walking back the, the opposite direction. And isn't it good that God is patient with you? Shouldn't we be a little more patient with one another? Wives, elbow your husbands. <laughs> we want God to be patient with us as we, as we make that change But then as human beings, we expect the change to happen immediately. Or we try to change the other person. That's a whole other sermon. So there's two different stories that I think illustrate this well. And most of you are probably familiar with these stories. The first one is the story about the prodigal son. The young man who wanted his father's inheritance before his dad had actually died. He took the money. He went out and he had a great time. It was a big party for a while. (laughs) Until it says he squandered it all on riotous living. He was turned up <laughs> until it got turned down. <laughs> he was all out of money. All of his friends left. And he found himself feeding pigs. Lustrous career <laughs> in that day. Pigs were filthy, dirty animals. And... Uh, he longed to eat what the pigs were eating. He went from the height of what all the world had to offer down to the bottom. I remember that day in my life. There wasn't any pigs around except for one, <laughs> and that was me. So the prodigal son, it says, he came to his senses and he repented. I love this story. He turned. And started going back the other direction. 
Luke chapter 15 is the story. Just in case you think I'm just making this up. Do your homework. Check it out. It says he came home. His character had started to transform. Affecting his conduct. He was just going to come back home. He was just going to tell his dad, I've blown it. I don't even deserve to be in your, in your home. And, and in that culture, you're right, didn't. He, didn't. he didn't deserve to be there at all. He should have been, they probably should have just stoned him before he got to the door. <laughs> he re- rehearsed his speech. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to hire myself out to be a servant. The servants have it better than me anyway. I'll just be a servant. And love gets demonstrated to this young man. Incredible mercy and grace is his dad. Gives him a robe and some sandals and a ring and a steak dinner. The kids in my wife's class are putting on a robe and putting on sandals and wearing a ring. (laughs) They're learning about God's grace and the power of true repentance and the blessing that comes. Because grace is when you get what you don't deserve. That young man did not deserve to be blessed. Just like you and me. Just like you and me. The other story is in the book of uh, uh, Luke, a little bit later on in the chapter, verse ni- or chapter 19. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Most of you are familiar with Zacchaeus. Vertically challenged gentleman. That wasn't his biggest problem, the fact that he wasn't, he was too short to be on a, any good basketball team, but he was a thief, <laughs> traitor. He was a Jew, but he was a uh, tax collector. Not a nice guy. Not someone you want to associate yourself with, unless he could maybe share some of his wealth with you, and then maybe you want to buddy up next to him. But Jesus comes along. The story says that Zacchaeus climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. <laughs> I think it says he climbed up on the seventh branch. No, it actually doesn't say that. But wouldn't that be cool? Seven branches up <laughs> so he could see Jesus. And then seven minutes later, Jesus walks by. Now I'm just making that stuff up. But it'll be awesome. Jesus cruises by and and Zacchaeus notices Jesus, but more astounding than that is the fact that Jesus notices Zacchaeus. Do you know this morning, Mike Morris, that Jesus notices you? That you're not lost in this crowd? Every single one of you, Jesus notices you. He sees you right where you're at. Now, when Zacchaeus realized that Jesus saw him, I don't know that Zacchaeus was overly excited because he probably thought, oh no, I've been busted. <laughs> Jesus, who I've heard so much incredible things about, the guy is he's doing things and teaching things no one's ever done or taught before, and he sees me? Maybe the number one reason why people don't walk into the church. Well, next to other human beings seeing them. (laughs) They don't want God to really see them. But Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he does something incredible, something cross-cultural, something nobody had ever heard of before. Jesus says, hey Zacchaeus, dude, come on down because we're going to go to your house and we're going to hang out together. We're going to eat together. 
And you know what happened as a result of Jesus having that encounter with Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus' character and conduct changed immediately. And he says, whatever I've done to cheat anybody out of money, anybody, any money, it says, I will repay them. Not only that, but I will give half of what I have to the poor. Like it changed his heart to the point where the thing that he loved the most, he didn't love it as much anymore as he loved Jesus. That's what happens when repentance comes. It's a powerful story. Turn to the book of Acts. We'll fast forward. Jesus' ministry is over. He's crucified. He rises again. He empowers his disciples to take this message of repentance to the rest of the world. And remember I said a few weeks ago, praise God that it happened because it came to you and me. And Peter, who at one point denied knowing who Jesus was, is empowered by the Spirit now, compelled by his love, and he stands and preaches incredible message, taking risks. I think true repentance actually causes you to have great courage. When you realize what you've been delivered from, you then begin to realize what it is God's wanting you to do with the rest of your life. And Peter preaches this incredible message, just a short little version of it, or a little snippet from it right here. Look at Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 36. Acts 2, 36. It says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, Just come to church on Sunday and I'll tell you. He tells them, he says, Repent. Turn. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That's you and me. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day. About 3,000 souls. That's a powerful message. There's other examples later on in Acts where Peter has an opportunity to tell him to believe, to repent and believe. That was the message. That's what he was, that's what they were given, they were anointed to do. And that message continues on today. That message continues on to you and me today. I'm just going to cut to the chase right now. I'm going to ask you this question. Have you repented? And have you believed in the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you. The consequence of denying this truth is long-lasting. 
It's eternal. These are not my words. These are his words. That's the message that was given to Peter, given to the rest of the apostles. That's the message that was given to me. That's the message that is given to you. Have you turned from your former way of believing? Have you confessed your sin? Have you acknowledged Christ as your Savior? If not, I implore you today to do so because that is what God would want you to do. Sounding kind of preachy right now, aren't I? But listen, unless you've obeyed this commandment, you can't go any further. Just can't go any further. None of the rest of it will make any sense. You won't want to pray. You won't want to give. You won't want to love. You won't want to go and make disciples. You won't. So church, we have to repent and believe. Now, if you've already done so, there's other forms of repentance where confession of sin, like maybe we're, we've kind of that roundabout, we kind of got off on the wrong track. There's moments to turn and walk away from that too, get back on track. But this is to repent and believe in Christ as your Savior, to receive eternal life, to where scripture says if you believe that even though you die, you'll live. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And once you've done that, then God can start doing the rest of the work in you. I'm going to challenge you today. If you've done that, and you've never been baptized, you've never publicly declared your faith through walking through the waters of baptism, I encourage you to come next week ready to do that. It's on you. It's not up to me to, to follow up with you and try to get you signed up. I'm not selling anything. I'm encouraging you to walk that out. If you've never been baptized, next Sunday morning there'll be water, bring a towel, bring a change of clothes, and walk through the waters of baptism to declare your faith in Jesus. Obey this commandment first so that we can move forward. Clear? Because that is what God would want you to do. And why? Because he loves you. And he has incredible things for you. Incredible blessings that he wants to pour out on you. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come. All right, so here's, here's what we're going to do next. When they, music starts, when they start singing, I want to give several opportunities for you to respond. 
first of all, if you've never repented and believed in Jesus as your Savior, I'm encouraging and challenging you today. Don't walk out of here until you do that. And I'm asking you to put some feet to it. I'm asking you to come up here and say, I need to do that. Today, I need to repent and give my life to Jesus. I want to obey that command first so that we can move on from there. If that's you, I'm going to have you come right over here. Okay, I'm going to have Jimmy and Stephanie. I'm going to have you guys, it's going to come up right now. I'm going to have you waiting for them. Okay, male and female, just in case both the genders come. Okay, so you know what the instructions are? Repent and believe. And when you come to receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you to empower you to love out the rest of these commands. Okay? All right, so Brady and Carrie and your family, I want you guys to come over here. And if you are a college student and you're getting ready to leave the nest, and I know your parents are struggling more than you are about that. (laughs) Guarantee it. If that's you, because Alec is one of those guys, And his mom is one of those ladies (laughs) that's really having a hard time. (laughs) Then then this is for you. If you're a college student or maybe you're getting ready to go to the military or you're leaving home to go to work. You know, I don't want to limit just at at the school, but there's other things that you leave for. Or maybe your parents are kicking you out this week and you need to come pray. I don't know. (laughs) But this is where you'd come, all right? And you come and you pray. And I'm going to ask Pastor Brady to, I know he's been praying over his kids. He's, that's just who he is. And so if that's you, I want you to, to come here. And then um, if you are here this morning and you're sick, there's healing in the name of Jesus. And so I want you to come to the cross. And I'll meet you there. And we're going to pray for you, okay? All right. Now, for the rest of you people, this doesn't apply to any of you. There, The offering baskets, there's one sitting right here. And Joy is the other one sitting up there, okay? Um, I'm just going to, it's on the honor system. I want you to walk by. And I want you to place your offering in the basket. I want you to place your attendance sheet in the basket. And then I want you, before you leave today, I want you to find some place in this school to pray for the beginning of the school year. Even if you don't go to school here, you can still pray for school in general, but spread out around the building and pray with each other, by yourself, whatever it is you want to do. And then I invite you to come back tonight on the outside of the building where the flagpole is at 7 p.m. and we're going to walk around the school building and we're going to pray, okay? But this morning we're going to pray on the inside of the building. 
Would you pray that kids would come to know Jesus this year just as a result of being in this building? I believe that can happen. All right, college students, anybody that's getting ready to leave home, repent and believe. This is going to be the biggest challenge right here. If you're afraid, then walk through that fear today. Don't let fear keep you from eternity with Jesus. Don't let it happen. And then if you need healing today in the name of Jesus, come right here. The rest of you, drop in your, your offering as you go and pray before you leave. And you don't have to stay around for very long. If you want to just pray a little bit and then leave, that's fine. But this is, this is the altar call, if you will. So come.